talking specifically about church planting, pioneering, evangelism. And so we're going to mix all those three together. And I think we've just been talking for an hour just now a little bit about some of the practicals. And this, this meeting now, I want to put some equipment into your hands, the steps that Jesus used in how he trained his team to go into all the world. We've looked at Matthew, the Mark, <clears throat> the Great Commission. But I left out a whole section here on purpose because I think it fits in at this point. We're going to take it from starting from Matthew 9.35. We're going to go on in the Gospels from here. So if you get to Matthew 9.35, and it is an echo from Matthew 4.23, how Jesus went about all over the place into the villages. Now, when he did that, something happened which totally changed the strategy of how he continued to reach into the world. And we find that in verse 36, where it says, Seeing the people, or the multitudes, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without shepherds, without a shepherd. <clears throat> there was a moment when he looked around and saw so many people, and he realized that what he carried and the, the mandate that was in front of him, he would have to change the way he was doing it. He himself was going around spreading this gospel. But then he saw these people, and the, the people that he saw were sheep and shepherds, which to me was is simply that they are believers and they are leaders, but they were dispirited and distressed. Putting that in position, I think, today, when you look at the apostolic, what the apostolic's function is, is to go to churches that are not often churches, that churches would belong and be part of something that's bigger than themselves to help them get into their prophetic potential. And so that thing, compassion, is absolutely vital in anything that a local church would do in reaching out. There are so many things that we can Google, we can get onto the internet, we can listen to iPodcasts and guys' opinions of how churches grow, how to raise up leaders, how to prosper, how to do all these things, but we forget the blueprint. And we cannot transmit emotion through a phone. We cannot transmit emotion or compassion, compassion by having a little desk here with representing a nation and what it has. In other words, Lesotho here, huh? the pictures of mountains and things where you, you go to Dubai, Arab Emirates, you just look at sand dunes. That doesn't cause compassion. It tells you, it gives you information. It tells you brochures that you can take home, pray for me, and you meet the person that does it. And I don't think Jesus did that with his disciples. He didn't say, hey guys, I want to show you what Jerusalem looks like from my perspective. There, look at that. No, he said, come with me, let me show you. And so when he was out there, this compassion caused a direction change, which is found in verse 37. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Very powerful verse. I tell you what, there are people all around Cosmo City area, this whole community that are like that. The harvest is plentiful. They're there. But there's no one to tell them. The workers are the problem. The workers are few. And sure, it's that word workers, harvesters, 
um, young missionaries, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> they are few to be found. Then he says, verse 38, Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out harvesters into his harvest. I just put those words in there. Workers into his harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. He's the one who brings about the maturity of the crop for people's lives. That their people go out there. And I last night I used that illustration. Have you ever seen a farmer standing at the edge of his field so ready to reap that he's got no labor force to get out there? He will not sow his crop until there's a labor force. When he's got his labor force, he knows he can reap what he started. Unfortunately, today there's a desire and a need, even in Jesus' time here, I need harvesters. So what did he do? Well, Matthew 10.1 starts a whole new dynamic. So if I can say this to you, Matthew 9.35 to 38 is a situation. That situation caused another S, strategy. As a local church, you are in a situation. question is, do you have a strategy for the situation you're in? This is very practical. I know we're talking to leaders, and it's, and it's obviously going to go into the church in a different way. <clears throat> but the situation causes Jesus to do something different. The emotion that it brings out of him is compassion. And just going back into that compassion. When I read that, I thought, how come, Jesus, you are Mr. Love himself. You, the original. You are love showing. It's for love that you came. But here it's, it's compassion, which is different. Compassion is this. Compassion causes divine love to go into action. That's why a local church has got to have this thing called compassion. Don't worry, it's fine. And compassion cannot be taught. It's got to be seen. So if I, I've often said to people with this, thanks, love, is that if you want to know what compassion is, and if you want to get compassion, go to the nearest hospital, go into the intensive care unit, and look at the faces of the people lying on those beds and see how they are fighting for every breath that they're taking. I did that. I went to KwaZulu uh, hospital right up there in Kongwanaz. I went into the intensive care unit there where there were big Zulu men lying in beds there, dying of pneumonia, secondary diseases because they had HIV, AIDS, no immune system, so they're getting attacked by anything else that's floating around. They have no defense system. And there were these men lying on beds there. I'll never forget it. And they were as thin as anything. And the look in their eyes as they were taking each breath they didn't know if they were going to take another breath. It was a challenge. They think, yes, I got that breath. I got that breath. They were on the edge. And I was in there and I walked up to this man. I grabbed him by the hand and I looked in his eyes. And I said to him, it's very simple. I said, I am sent to you with a message. My king has sent me to you with a message. He wants to meet you in heaven. And you just simply presented the gospel. For you to get to heaven, you've got to believe that his son was sent here because he loved us so much, all of us, the whole world, including the Zulus, that he died for you so that you might live and go to heaven. 
What do you say to this answer? I know you can't speak, but squeeze my hand, please, if you agree with what I said. If you agree with that message. If you agree that there is a son, Jesus, who's done this for us and he's alive for you. Do you want to meet him again? Just believe what I say. Squeeze my hand. Squeezes my hand. Then I say to you, as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare upon your life that you are born again, that you will go to heaven, and that you will see Jesus. So be it, because you believe. It's in the Bible. It's written. Peace on his heart. I tell you, his whole face changed. Went to the next bed. What made you do that? Compassion. I walked out of there with a whole new understanding of life and death and humanity. It's not skin color. It's not culture. It's not tradition. It's got nothing to do with whoever it's about the heart of man, which is the world, which is every nation, whether it's Eskimos, it's Mongolians, whether it's whatever. And yeah, we've been to some of these places, not the Eskimos, but we've been. It's too cold there. But we've been to places. And so this compassion, Jesus, this thing rose up and he said, hey, you 12, that's what Matthew 10 is. Jesus summoned, he called. Twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. It's almost an echo of Matthew 4.23, Matthew 9.35. And here again, it's again the third echo of what he was doing. In other words, I do it, you do it, go do it. That sounds good. I do it, you do it, go do it. And he commissioned them, like last night. He deputized them, put the badge on their chest. You have authority. I've given you that authority. And that word authority is what I believe, friends, I tell you, every church we go to, the church needs to know its authority in whatever position it is, whatever city you're in. Know your authority. You have authority. You have authority over demons. There is no fear if you walk into a demon den where there's demons. You walk in there. You're the majority. Thank you for that loud amen. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in He's greater. You and Jesus is the majority. And there may be 200. Hey, listen, the madman of Gadara had a legion of demons. What? 600 demons in him. And when he saw Jesus, he ran with these demons Trying to hold him. He ran and fell at the feet of Jesus. Guess what? When you see Jesus, no demon in hell can hold you back. That's authority. And he fell down and began to worship. And then the demons began to cry out. Say, oh, oh, oh. You know the story. And he was changed. And he was commissioned to go into Decapolis and share the mercy of God upon his life. That's, he wasn't a fivefold ministry gift. But he shared his testimony in 10 regions. KwaZulu is just one region. Gauteng is one region. 10 regions. That's a big area. He had a ministry. He just went and shared his testimony. I was demon possessed, but I met Jesus. He got out of a boat and changed my life. Look at me. And everyone who was traveling would say, yo, we know him. We could see the scars on us. You tore us apart at night. You lived in the tombs. You, you tore the chains. See, that is the power of God. That's authority. Note the names of the twelve were given. Verse 3, verse 4. Simon, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them. Here is what we need to do. This is what I'm doing with you. Verse 5, instructing them. He sent them out after instructing them. Notice he didn't take them into a classroom and put them through ten different courses to get a diploma in theology. 
Thank you for that loud amen. amen. Okay, you're with me, eh? He, he didn't say, okay, when you, when, you, when you qualified, you can do it. No, he says, hey, you guys, you're just being converted. Now go. Go. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong thing. Doesn't matter. Just say it. I'll confirm my word. You say what I say. I'll do what I do. It's not about you. It's about me, in you, through you. And that changed the people. And so he sent them out after instructing them. And I, I say here, so, so, so here we've got the situation. The second thing here is the mission, 10-1. He summoned. That's the mission. He said, hey, guys, come. I'm going to give you authority. This is your mission. You're going to cast out demons. That's the second thing, the M, the mission. So if, before you have a mission, you've got to have a situation. Why are you doing the mission? If you're doing the mission because we do missions, because they're doing, and that's the fashion, that's not a situation. What you do is you hurt the people that you send because they don't know why they're going. When you see people, sheep without sheep, when you see people that are lost and just confused, that's a mission. That's a situation. Now we've got a mission. Choose the situation that you want to have a mission into. I went to Poland because there's no one teaching leaders there. I'm not a leader, a teacher of leaders. I'm an evangelist, basically. But I went there and brought them out of despondency, out of communism, out of them being so oppressed by never being good enough to a place where they can do things with Christ. So I chose the door I walked through. And God has done incredible things in that nation. I saw a situation. I thought, I've got a mission. Let's go and do this thing. That's it. And it, it can happen in different places. You don't choose on one thing. You can choose in different places. You individually can have a situation that you see. And you can cause your mission there. Take others with you so they catch their mission. Jesus did that. He had the whole world. He just chose chose 12, then it grew more. So what is it that you see? What is it that you do? You do. So, sorry, I've just got to a situation, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Mission is Matthew 10, 1. And, and um, the mission also includes this instruction and, and how you do it. So these 12, he sent out instructing them. So I put there, you can put instruction. Situation, mission, instruction. Or you can put there how you're going to execute, how you're going to do the mission. How is it that you're going to plan this thing out? Because you, how are you going to change the situation? So he sent them out. He says this. He says, go into, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans. That was that time dispensationally set. Because he was reaching Israel. Today, it's the world. It's the Gentiles. It's the Jews. It's every city. For him, it was that. For us, it's this, to reach the world. Can I say this? For Cosmo City Church, it could be that area. What area is God highlighting to this church? Don't go in that way. Don't go that way. There. There's a situation. There. So you can be people-specific, nation-specific, city-specific, community-specific. But there, that's where you go. So you need to tag that. But also the instruction is the same. And here we go through it. And as you go, preach, saying. 
Notice, here it's very specific. And as, not when, as you go. Or when I get there. It's as you go. In other words, you've got to say it from the time you leave here till the time you come back. The message is not going to change. As you go, notice, preach, declare, proclaim. So often we go and we teach, explain. No, it's proclaim, which is preach. So here it is a proclamation. What is a proclamation? What is preaching? It's this. It's a bugle to the lips. Unless the people hear a certain sound, they'll not rally for war. It says that in Corinthians. So when they hear a certain sound that the king is coming, that Jesus is Lord, they will rally. When you go into explanation, you tell them all about how he's going to come. They don't understand. They want to know who's coming. They want to know who it is. So it's a bugle to the lips. It's a clear, single sound. Preaching the gospel is a clear, single message. One subject, not three points with an illustration and a poem. It's one bridge. Amen? It's this is the way. That's how it comes. So that's what they did. This is the execution of how you do it. And just now I told you, the Corinthians 15 and, and Acts what was the message? I gave that to you just now. Um, say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I think I've covered that. The kingdom of heaven is at Habakkuk 3.4. There it is. Lay hands on the sick. How do the people know that the kingdom is around, that he's still alive? Because when hands are laid upon you, you get healed. That means he's still backing up his word. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's still living. It's happening. It's a demonstration. Are you all okay? Yeah. Okay. Heal the sick, verse 8. Notice, heal the sick. Who? You. You heal the sick. You find the sick and you heal them. So, so how do you do that? When you see someone in a wheelchair, you don't go away and become very interested and involved in something outside. For me, when I see someone in a wheelchair, I talk military. Eyes on target, engage. I walk towards them and I say, hello, what's your name? How are you? What am I doing? I'm building a bridge because I have compassion. I am not fearful. I'm compassion. And whether they get out of the wheelchair or not, doesn't matter. I want to know if you're saved. That's the most important thing. Second benefit, if you stand up on your feet, you've got a ministry of testifying like the madman of Gadara, you've got, you got legs, you can get around the community quicker than most of us. You've got something to say. Amen? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Absolutely. It's not hard. Just find a dead person. Practice. Go to the morgue. Sir, can I come in here? I just want to pray for these dead folks. Can I open these drawers? I just want to lay hands on them and command healing and resurrection life. Yes, you can. I'm going out for lunch. Don't, don't do anything with the bodies. Just do it. So you open the first drawer. In Jesus' name, come back to life. Shut. Next one. You just practice. Hey, You'll never raise the dead unless you hang around the dead. You'll never heal the sick unless you hang around the sick people. So if you say, I have never raised the dead, how close have you been to dead people? Um, I went to a funeral over there sometime. Now, you see, you need to be around that thing. I'm just putting a principle out there. So there was a guy in South America. <laughs> oh, 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 doesn't matter. 
I met this man. We, had, we met him last year. We were in Canada. He was a pastor of a church up in Canada. Sitting, we were having lunch with him. He says, hey, you know what? I had a friend and his friend died. And she died. And she, she was younger. So my friend went to the morgue because he hadn't said goodbye to her. And so in, in South America, they went to the morgue and um, it was a cold room. There were bodies on tables everywhere covered. And he said, well, I want to know this girl's name is so-and-so. Where is she? He says, well, there you are. That's, that's the person she's covered. He says, you can stay in here. You can pray for her. You can do what you want and say goodbye to her. But don't you dare touch anybody. You cannot do that. He says, fine, I understand. So he, said, he went out and so he was in there by himself and this guy's walking around. Now he's not a pastor. He's not an apostle. He's just someone who had compassion because he hadn't said goodbye to his friend. So he's walking around and said, oh, whatever her name is, say it's Teresa. Oh, Teresa, would you please wake up? I just want to say goodbye to you. And I just wish you hadn't left in such a hurry. And I'm sorry that it happened. And, and he's talking like this. And he hears a noise behind him. And he turns around. And there she is sitting up on the table, looking, looking at him. And while he's looking at her, eight other bodies sat up in the morgue. So now when... When the mortician comes back, <laughs> when the mortician comes back, he finds nine people walking around in there trying to get hold of a cell phone to phone their parents, their friends. I'm back. So what happened? Well, the next Sunday, because the newspapers got a hold of this, every single church was more than jam-packed full of inquirers who were very interested. You see, it just takes one. just takes one to wake up things. So, so, yes, raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. And I noticed that it says, I will, it says you cleanse the lepers. So, so, you know, the first time Jesus ever laid hands on a leper, in Mark 1.40, this man said, Lord, if you're willing, can you make me whole clean? Are you willing to make me whole? Because leprosy, every other person in the community has rejected me. I have no friends. I've lost my wife. I've lost my name is mud because it's a reflection of what I've been hiding in my life. And suddenly it's come out on the surface. So it's like a picture of what sin does to you, what you hide. You become numb to your fingers, you do not have any feeling in your fingers, your nose, your ears, your toes. So when you have sin in your life, you become insensitive to the world. It's a true picture of sin, leprosy. And so Jesus says, I am willing. He laid hands on, leprous, on the leper. And for the first time in medical science, universe, history of the whole creation, leprosy went backwards. Because the power of God advanced. Leprosy normally advances on you. Once you get it, there's no cure. But this case, leprosy suddenly stood up and said, uh-oh, the creator, the God of, the, the son of God's here, we better back off. And he was healed. Now, now, just that authority. When you begin to read the Bible and you see these things, you realize that all things are possible to those who believe. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Yes, extreme sports. Most people watch TV for extreme sports. You just need to go to where there's mad people and just go and cast some demons out. That didn't go down too well, did it? Freely, 
Freely you have received, freely give. It's, you don't put a price to it. Ah, yeah. oh, brother, you want to come healing? It's 30 bucks. How bad is your disease? No, it's 150. No, it's 6,000, like major, major one. What's it? Yeah. Major one, 6,000 bucks for an interview. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> freely you have received. Freely you give. Why? You're the postman. You've got the parcel, you find the address. Just make sure you find the address. And when you give the gift, present it well. Make them cherish it, make them love it. Tell them it didn't come from me or the post office. It came from someone afar off who loves you. That's the gift. So these are the instructions about it. Freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his support. And that word support, as you work for him, he will support you in ways that you've never, been, never experienced. He'll support you not with the big things. He'll support you with the essential things. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and say, stay at his house until you leave that city. So if you go into a town, this is a strategy. Find out someone who's good in that town, who carries a good reputation, who, who knows the word of God. Because when you go into that town and you associate yourself with a ministry or a person in that town, right at the start of whatever you're doing, that ministry or what you're doing is going to be calibrated on the character of the one that you stay with. For example, one day I was asked to go and open a church in Freyhate. Here, would you please come and we're starting a church. Would you come and open the church? I said, okay, I'll just see. Let me get back to you. Phoned the other guy that I was very friendly with in that town of Freyhate. I said, hey, there's this guy. This is his name. He's asked me to come and open his church in Freyhat. Do you know him? Can you tell me about him? There was a long silence and a gasp and a sigh on the end of the phone. He says, oh my goodness. He says, this guy has just split my church. He's taken half the church. He's gone down the road and he's supposed to be planting another church. He's caused havoc in this town. I said, thank you. That's all I need to know. I want you to know from me right now, I will not go and do it. I will not dishonor you. Phone this guy back. Sir, I'm not coming to open your church because I've heard of what you have done. Put the phone down. You see, those things. And that ministry might say, hey, would you please come and do some work in our church in this town? And you think, yeah, yeah we've got a connection. We've got a satellite church. We've got a, a church that's going to be a part of our vision and dream. And you go there and you find out this later. Too late. Whatever you do in that town, your reputation is associated with that one. So whatever you do, find out who's worthy. It says there. It's there. Find out. And if he's worthy, sure, stay in his house. And if it's a good reputation, stay there. And so when you go to places, it's just not come up and you just agree with whoever has you. You need to do a bit of homework because however long you want your ministry to last in that city is going to be dependent on the foundation of relationship that you start when you get there. Okay, be careful who you work with. It's just instruction. He says, guys, do this. I've done this. Jesus says, I've done this. It doesn't always work well. Not every invitation is a yay. 
yes invitation. Most invitations sometimes are no, or you don't know until. So be careful where you go. Notice it says there what you take. And I tell you what, when you do travel, we have traveled I don't know how many kilometers. We take just essentials. We just take, you, you, you go to that nation, research on Wikipedia or whatever, find out about their nation, what you can take, what you can't take, what they can do, what the voltages of the currency is at 220, 120, you know, just stuff like that, practical stuff. Find out about it. Is the water good? What's the disease like there? Mosquitoes, no mosquitoes. Have they got some other thing that flies around that bites you that you're not used to? See, when you, when you travel to some nations, being in Africa, you don't carry the same immunity that you would in that nation. Going to China, India, oh my goodness. 5,000 feet up, you're coming into land, you can smell the pollution there. You can smell it in the aircraft before you land. You come, You live in that thing. You cannot touch water there. You don't drink out of sealed bottles there because they're bottles with normal water resealed. They sell it. So you've got to be wide awake. <laughs> so I'm not trying to stop you going to India, right? So, <laughs> But you've you got to be aware of these places. And it's not like, oh, I don't want to go there. Sometimes you get there and it's an accident. You say, what the world am I doing here? I don't need to be in. You just got to get, you know what? You need to toughen up. Seriously, we need to toughen up. Not be a soft Christian. That's not the Lord's will. Yes, it is his will. He's with you. He knows what you're going through. He's been through it. Look at Paul. Sure, how many times did he get beaten on his back? Three times, 39. So what's your problem? How many times have you been shipwrecked? Well, I haven't been on a boat. Go on one. It's good fun. Let's hope you get there. You know, it's just it's the advance of the kingdom. Hey, come on. It's worth living. You know, if, if you begin to live when death is close. So then you begin to live. When stuff starts happening around you, you I could die doing this. Guess what? Jeez, <gasps> I feel so alive. Everything's redlining inside you. Your, your sight, your hearing, your blood pressure, everything. You begin to live. Yes. It's about the kingdom. Whatever you sit in, find out who's worthy there. As you enter that house, give it your greeting. In other words, what you carry, who you are, you can release that into that home. If you carry healing, the people in that home will be healed. If you're a prophetic gift, everyone in that home will get a prophetic word from you. Because what you carry, you release. Give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing. There you go, of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. That word peace is so powerful. What did Jesus say when he rose from the dead, the first thing he said? You walk straight through a brick wall, and what did he say? Peace. Why? Because heaven and earth are at peace. The angels fell out of heaven and rejoiced at the birth of Jesus, saying, Peace towards men. Not among men, towards men. We think when God comes around, there's going to be peace among men. Ha, ha, ha. Hello. Peace towards men. And when Jesus rose in, he said, Peace to you. So that peace means that there's victory and there's a loss. 
That victory is Jesus has risen. The loss is Satan. You busted. You done. You lost. And when that happens, there's peace in the heart of man, knowing that you have a savior, and you have a healer, and you have a deliverer. So you bring that into the house because it's an ambassadorial situation. In other words, a little bit of heaven is living in that home, and that home is heaven home. You have an ambassadorial ship of the USA. That property is USA. Whoever lives in there is USA. You walk in there, you live by USA rules, yet it's in this country. Now, hello, your homes are the same from heaven. It's the same thing. This is an ambassadorial headquarters, this church, because heaven has come. Um, and so it, it begins to tell you more about that. So you've got the way, the way you do it is the execution of what you say and what you preach. The administration, the administration of working this out is what you carry, what you do with your money bowls, how much you go, and where you stay and where you live. Quite honestly, if you want to get around the nations, the best thing to do is to live in the homes of the people who invite you. That's one thing I like about NCMI and you, is that the, we, we stay in homes of people. And, you know, people, people have different ways of living. And you know you're there for a season. And so we have had some, we could write a book. We've studied beds. We can tell you that there are about a thousand different ways showers work around the world. You don't know which lever does what. And as you're doing this, you get ambushed on the back because the shower's behind you. You thought that one worked. That one hit you. <laughs> and and, and you, you don't know if there's hot water. Like in Poland, I got up early. I thought, yeah, I'll be up early because I'm going to get the hot water before these other guys who were snoring their heads off in the same room and I didn't sleep. Sure. Take earplugs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you busted, dude. You busted. <laughs> Take your, do, do stuff, take your phones, play your nice iPod, put yourself to sleep in. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's, this is apostolic. This is reaching the nations. So I thought I'd get into the shower. So I turned this thing on. Minus five outside. There was ice cubes along the barbed wire fence. I mean, it was amazing to see. I was like, I've never seen ice on barbed wire. This is, just tap that barbed wire. It sounds like a broken glass for 100 meters. <laughs> It's amazing. So I thought I'd get into the shower. So I turned it on. Yes, it's cold. Look at my watch. This thing keeps running. So I thought, I'm having a shower. So I took a deep breath and I stood under this thing. <laughs> and you know, the soap was flying all over the place. <laughs> and I get outside and I'm wide awake. I like a preach the whole day. <laughs> So I'm, I'm up, and here comes the next guy, and I'm looking at him, thinking, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> and he's a, he's a man from Holland. Holland. It's a big oak. So he gets into the shower, and he's in there. He opens the door, and steam comes out. He said, hey, 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 hey. You got a hot shower, got a cold shower. What happened? He says, no, you, you turn that thing over there. Not there, there. <laughs> But you know what? We were both clean. I was, I was more awake than he was. That's the thing. So it's about traveling and, and the administration of these things. 
And so you've got basically there just some of the practical things of how you get out there just by using that grid. I find that those things, situation, why am I going to go to Mozambique? While there's going to be a church plant, a whole lot of churches have got together, they want to plant a church. That's, I'm talking about what's happening in, in July, August. So situate, plant a church. church mission's going to go there. How are we going to do this? Lights, sound system, everything sorted. How are we going to do this out there under the trees? The guys are going to get together. Administration, have you got electricity? You've got generators? You've got this? What are we going to do? Are we going to sleep over there and we're going to travel through and teach leaders and then do this with the leaders? And what's the end of it? Well, that church and that church and that church are going to look after that one and mother that church into full fruition. Good. We're going to retreat. Pastors are going to come in. People are going to come in and minister to it. Perfect. Blueprint. This. Exactly that. It's exactly how you do it. So whatever you do around the community, follow what Jesus did. He said, guys, come. This is what you're going to do. That's what you're going to say. This is what you're going to carry. That's going to be the outcome. Jesus took it a bit further. He took it into Luke 10. Because he used 12 there. And you know, in Luke 10, he goes to more. Verse 1. Now, when the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every place, in every city or place, where he himself was going to come. Notice that. He just sent them out, 12, into a certain area. Here he is sending them out with 70 with numbers into a certain city in which he was about to come. So you say, well, we don't have Jesus here today. No, but we have his presence. So you go carrying his presence so that his presence may come. So what did Jesus do? He sent the 12 out, brought them back, gave them six others and says, go and do the same. You lead your own team. It's called leadership. You want your church to grow? Do it. And you don't have to go miles across the border to see the cross. You just need to go somewhere where there's a lost group of people in your community. Just somewhere over there. Just take a team out. Go and do something. Come back. They will never be the same. It's not a little table that does it. They catch compassion. Because they see what you see. They feel what you feel. They feel the heart of God out there. Verse 3, I send you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. It's almost like a death sentence. No? Gentle. Carry no money, no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. It sounds a bit different, doesn't it? Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Say to that house, stay in that house, verse 7, eating and drinking what they serve you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Let me just bring something there that I've learned. Traveling in Mozambique once, my friend and I, we, we, let me say this, I traveled from Durban, did I share this last night? From Durban to, to, to Shai Shai, to Maputo on a motorcycle. I didn't have a 4x4. I didn't have something like that. That's not actually a 4x4. I didn't have a car. I got on a motorcycle. I walked out the back of my house knowing that I had to go to Mozambique. It was at war. There was Ronaldo Frelimo fighting. 
There was no toll roads up that road. It was back in the 80s, 90s. I walked out and I had an XT550 Yamaha, which is a fairly big bike. And I looked at that and, I, and the Lord said to me, what's in your hand? I said, what do you mean? He says, what's the nearest thing to you that you can use for travel? There was a car that Kelly and I had for a family. So that was out of the question. There was the motorcycle. He says, use that. I said, you joking, Lord, from here to Maputa? He says, why not? It's a big machine. It's built for this. Get on it and go. So I said, okay. So I jumped on that thing with a pack on my back, left early in the morning, traveled all the way up through Swaziland, through Namasha, down the road. took me three hours from Namasha, Swaziland, northern border, to Maputo, which now takes you about an hour in a vehicle on a tar road. took me two hours on an off-road motorcycle. That's how bad the road was. Get to Maputo, ring, phone this number of this guy, meet him. Ministry starts. I didn't know where I was going to sleep. I didn't know where I was going to stay. And I didn't know what I was going to do. But I went. See, it's not hard. So many of us, when it says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you, we actually start seeking all these things that will be added and maybe seek the kingdom. That word means... In the process of seeking first the kingdom, of the outcome of the ongoing of the kingdom, when that starts, when you start doing what he's called you to do, this stuff will start coming. But first do it. Jump out the aeroplane, and then the parachute opens. The parachute doesn't open in the aeroplane. It worked. Oh, I'm landing. Yeah, the, both are scary. So it's that. And so that's what I did. Traveled up there. 500 bucks for the whole trip. Fuel, crossing the border, staying home. 500 bucks for a week teaching pastors. No one was going to them. Through the war zone. On a motorcycle, you are a small target. Ah, he's got away. <laughs> And you're quicker than a car. And you know what? It's worth living. Amen. Ah, oh, but you've got a wife and children. Yes. Absolutely. But when you do His will, you're in His perfect will. When you're praying about it, you're on the sideline and stuff can happen to you. Get into His perfect will. If He's called you, if God has set you, no man can upset you. When you're in that place. And so here we get with, with uh, Luke 10. Heal the, heal, whatever city, verse 8, here's the key. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you. So as I was coming to this point. I don't often eat, we don't often eat what's set before us. Here's the reason. Mozambique sat, having taught some pastors, Again on motorcycles, looked at the roof where there was dried fish, barbel, bream, stuff drying on the roof. Up there on the roof, there was like fly city. Yeah. I mean, the place was humming. You could hear it 100 meters away. <laughs> Flies all over those fish. And I said to my friend, I said, she, I wonder who's going to eat that stuff. They must, I don't know if they're going to live after eating that. And we sitting there, and we had a Coke. And we had some nice Mozambican buns fresh out the oven, and we were enjoying ourselves. We knew the Coke was pretty sterile. It came from the factory. The buns are just 
excuse me, just hot out the oven so you know nothing much has lived. We see a ladder come up onto the roof. Guy goes up, gets off some fish onto a tray, comes down, disappears into the, into the house. A few minutes later, out comes two or three trays with salad on and fish, and they come and they say, bless you, put the fish down there. And I'm, and I'm looking at my friend, and we're looking at the fish, and we're looking at the roof. <laughs> and we're thinking, we've got another five days here to preach to these guys. This fish is not going this way. And I said to the pastor, I said, my friend, let me just say something. Please don't be offended. He says, we are here for five days to preach the gospel to you. Where we come from, we don't eat fish we have fridges, and I know we are blessed that way, but you're used to that. If I ate that, I'd be, I'd be heading to that hospital there. And that hospital there is not like the hospitals back there because that hospital doesn't have beds. You know? so, so I just painted the picture of what it was like. And I said, this boy, key, I'm sorry if I offend you, but I'm sorry. I've got a job to do. I've been sent. I've got a job to do. I'll obey him. And I'll just say, please, would you just give that, bless someone else with it. We'll have the bread and the cokes. He fully understood. <laughs> so I know it says that. Huh? Yeah, coconut bun, there you go. So, so I, you just got to be wise in some of these things. And I, I mean, you travel overseas to Poland and some of these things. There's stuff there that I've never seen in my life before. Never seen. Mongolia. We we invited to please come to our house. Yeah, we'll come. Kelly and I, we both go to the house. Yeah, here's a, some, some milk in a glass. So we take a sip. Yes, it was hot, full of salt. So I said, I haven't seen cows here. Where did that milk come from? The horses. Oh, okay. Here, here is, a, is a hot tip. When you, when you go to someone's house and they have a pot plant outside, mark it. Because you go outside, oh, lovely. And you go, mm, thank you. So we are in India. Go to a big meal. Lots of us are there. This guy is, he's literally walking around throwing steaks onto our, cooked steaks onto our plate. Chops. What are they? Yeah, chops. And he's saying this. He says, this is good lamb. India, lamb, good chops. He says, yeah, and we all got our forks out and we're eating, we're eating this. And it was tasted brilliant. So one of the guys put their heads up and say, hey, have any of you guys seen sheep here? And put his head down and carried on eating. Someone else put their head up. No, but there's a lot of goats around. There you go. Puzumbudzimanj. <laughs> and I don't, I've eaten goat. I've heard them. It's just different. Okay, so when you go, it's not always nice. But hey, I tell you what, when you see people getting saved, when you see cripples get up and walk, when you see drips come out of arms and people walk home with a drip hanging there with the running on the ground and the lady's walking home because she's getting a hitching home with a taxi left the hospital, when that happens, 
It's worth it. It's worth it. But you don't go eating fish off roofs because you're not going to preach. You're going to be lying in bed very sick for five days. So you've got to get the first things first and the priorities right. And I know it says this, sure. I think it was said that because they were going into their own culture so they could eat what was set before them in that culture. We are talking now international when you start going international because they didn't say go to the Samaritans or to the Gentiles. They said go to the Jews. So they were in their own culture. Yes, whatever they serve you in South Africa, 100%. Sadza, pap, butu, whatever is lacquer. But you start going to some of these places where it's different, then I think you need to be wise. Okay, so that's just there. Verse 8, whatever city you enter, and they receive you. Notice that. Whatever city you enter, and they, the city, receive you. Okay? Notice that there. Forget what's eat said before. And heal the sick in it who are sick, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Take out the eating section which we've just been looking Forget that. The dining room table, gone. Why are you in the city? How do you enter the city? How does that city receive you? How? Heal the sick in it. When I read that, the Lord said to me, Kia, if you want to enter a city, you've only entered it when you have healed the sick in it. So you want to enter a city? You can get in there physically, but you've entered it and they receive you when you've healed their sick. That's what Jesus did. It's a whole different way of just, oh, we just go and heal the sick. No, you enter a community by healing the sick. So what did we do? I put this to practice. Mozambique again. Go to Chibuto, to Chokwe, to, to uh, Zongwen, to um, a number of towns there. We go and preach the gospel, Chibuto, big town, north of the Limpopo, Shai Shai, Chibuto, where the floods, where they brought all the food in from the floods, landed there by aircraft, food, big town, big. Where's the hospital? There it is. Okay, I'm coming to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, get the permission from the superintendent, team of 40 people from Holland, Germany, Australia, America, traveling with us. Said, can we come and just pray? The ladies can go to the maternity ward, to the female section. Men will go to the men. Can we pray for them? We don't have enough interpreters, but can we have the freedom to go around, just lay hands on the sick and pray for the sick? English, whatever. German, whatever. Yes, you can. You've got one hour. Thank you, sir. Boom, we enter the hospital. Just walking around on the walls, just laying hands on the sick. Come back the next day. Hi, we're back. We want to pray for the sick. Um... There's no one sick here. They, they left an hour after you departed. They got up and left. So I said, you mean there's no one in the wards? No, they're, they're healed. You prayed for them. They're healed. They're gone home. We've, we've got nothing to do. You see, that happened in city after city, my friend. We need to be target specific. We need to go in and do what we call to do. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
And when you enter a city, heal the sick in it. Now, Matthew 10 was just the 12 going out. They got excited. It happened with them. They took another six people and said, hey, come, see this. You can do it too. Watch. Bang, they're going to there. And they came back. Imagine their report. Boo, they, Jesus couldn't stay in towns because they, they kept following him. The, the towns were too small to hold the people. He had to go outside and people came to him. 5,000, 4,000. See the economy of the kingdom, my friends, this. It's how you do it. Matthew 10, Luke 10. May you be equipped to do this yourselves. May you have the courage to go and pick on some area, somewhere, somewhere out there, some area, some area, and go and preach this gospel. There's the Jerusalem. There's your Judea, the next area out. There is this some area out there. And then the fourth dimension is the uttermost part. Let me tell you, the uttermost part, if you're in some country which is like Pakistan and you find a Roman Catholic there, he will be or she will be your best friend because at least you're on the right side of the cross, seeing the cross, although the denomination may be different. When you're in Pakistan, the uttermost part, the difference of your belief system is not so important as it is in Jerusalem. Because when you're out there, if you can find someone who's like you, he's your best friend. The further you get away from home, the more intense and more precious any Christian of any belief system in Christianity, Anglican, Dutch Reform, Methodist, AFM, whatever, is your friend out there. We need not be so critical about people here. We are so divisive amongst ourselves about, do you believe this? Oh, he doesn't, you know, they don't. No, hang on. You want to get into the world. When you come back from there, if someone confesses Jesus Christ and Lord and he dresses in a robe and a white collar, he's your, she's your friend. Yeah. It's about the kingdom. It's not about the differences. And I was just chatting to Tembi just during this supper time. The, the disciples of John came to Jesus and said, are you the one or are we to look for another one? So here's John the Baptist shook a whole nation with one sentence. Repent. The kingdom of God's at hand. There he is. One sentence shook a nation. He gets imprisoned and he's unsure of his calling. He sends his disciples to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, are you the one or is there someone else? Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, let's pull out all the scrolls out of the prophetic charts and all the rest of these things, right? He didn't say that. He says, just hang around for one hour. Be in the service. Watch what goes on. And then what you've seen and heard, go and tell John what's happened. What does that mean? We do not need to argue with someone else that doesn't agree with you. Just let them hang around one of your meetings. And what they've seen and heard is enough for them to know that he is the one. So when you're out there witnessing to people, don't argue with them. If they start arguing with you, Dust the feet off. What does that mean? Don't carry that rejection with you. Don't carry that offense. Dust it off. I've got nothing to do with you. There are far more towns, far more people to reach than to worry about the one that's just up the road that's giving you a hard time. Have a bigger vision. Amen. Okay, I just felt this during the worship just, just now. Those of you who feel that you have a call of evangelism on your life to go and win the lost, would you stand up? I just want to pray for you specifically. Feel that you have a call, possibly have a call of an evangelist on your life.
and have a city or have a place that you know that you want to go and reach and touch. So would you just stand up on your feet? Part of our job in coming to a local church with, uh, with why we're here is to equip you, to put you in that place, to call you out, to set you, to, to get you to that point of recognizing that that's what God is doing, so that you get confidence in knowing that His hand's upon you for such a time as this. So whatever city or place or community that you are thinking about, that's the reason why you're standing. And it doesn't exclude any of you here because there's also this community. But there's something specific that you know God has got on your heart. It's time to walk in that direction. One of the hardest things is for you to give yourself permission to do. When you give yourself permission, when you look in that mirror and that face looking back, it's at you. You can talk to it and say, I give you permission. Because most times we don't know if we've got the permission. Who do we need to say, it's okay? We need to say, I own it. It is okay. Let's make it happen. Amen? So would you just put your hands out? I just want to pray for you. Lord, as each one of these potential fire-carrying, fire-breathing men and women in this building tonight are responding to a call that they're sensing in their heart as we've been speaking about reaching nations and touching people out of the scriptures, they're responding to your word as they've seen the path. They have a situation. They need to move in that mission. So God, would you cause them to begin to step out in that direction, step out and do what you've called them to do, to effect a to change in men and women's hearts by the power of this gospel. Lord, would you put the fire of God on them? Would you... Put a coal upon their lips that they begin to burn for you. As it says, a burning heart will find for itself a flaming tongue. And God, would you put that passion, that compassion, that zeal, that fire, the divine love inside their hearts. Again, increase it. Turn up the, 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 the thermostat of temperature that they would just break out and go and do that. Father, thank you for your hand upon them for your anointing, your fire, your boldness, your courage, because you've been with Jesus, that they would go and do these things that they dream about and cause a change for your kingdom, for you to receive the glory. Thank you, Lord, that even this area and community will be changed because something is happening in and through this local church. Lord, I pray for leadership to accurately channel the vibrancy of the passion of Christ through this church to everyone. Thank you, Lord, for touching each one. Their dreams and visions become bolder and stronger. Opportunities become bigger and wider. Horizons to become more definitive. Specific places to be absolutely pinpointed, knowing that that's the place. And Lord, let it come quickly. Let it happen to bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.